remembering is such an important part of being a believer. Because we're just prone to forget the one who loves us and the one who is available to us all the time. Um, this morning, the message deals with an unlikely candidate for an evangelist, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well who had a colored past, not very popular in town to say the least, and yet her life would be dramatically changed and transformed. And I want to look at that today. It's really spiritual farming. We're dealing with the issue of evangelism, which is telling people what Jesus has done in our lives and the change that he's made. And, of course, the goal is that we'll walk with him in such a way that Jesus will leak out of our lives and that we'll see him clearly. But we're in John chapter 4, uh, verses 28 through 42. But um, I actually just want to read uh, John 4, 27 through or 28 through 30. So I ask if you'll stand in God's honor. I'll read. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Lord, if not for you, we would not have any hope. Sometimes, Lord, we see people like this Samaritan woman who we think, man, what is it with her? What is wrong with her? What's wrong with him? Father, the truth is that we all have the same issue, really. We need you. We need a new start because we've messed up our start. <laughs> So, Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts as we look at your word this morning, continuing in this passage in John 4, about this lady, but mostly about you. So, speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Spiritual farming, we're, Jesus uses a lot of words to give pictures of farming. And so that's why I came up with this. And even in this passage, as he talks to his disciples, he uses that picture of farming words to talk about how to take seed and move that seed to something that takes root and begins to grow until it becomes to a time of harvest. And this is you know, what occurred in the life of this woman and then beyond her life to impact other people's lives with the change that she found in Jesus Christ. and So let's just jump in. I, first, I want to look at the seed this morning. And in verse 28, it says, Leaving her water jar, the woman came back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? The seed is speaking of a word that is spoken, that takes root in the heart and begins to change a person. And this happened in this dear lady's life. As a Southern Baptist, uh, 
I came to Christ when I was 15 years old. And in the early days and through much of my time as a Christian, evangelism, at least the way I saw it through the churches I grew up in, was more of a presentation. The idea was that, man, I had to learn this presentation, and I had to have this presentation down so that when I ran into someone who didn't go to church and someone who did not know Jesus Christ, that I could, I could have the right words, exactly what to say. Boy, many presentations. Uh, I remember in the early days, I don't know if any of you guys remember the Roman road. Or the Roman road, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man, we're all in the same mess. Sin is just simply missing the mark of God. Rebelled against Him. Or, you know, we, we need to go His way. And then you go to the next verse, which they break in half. Verse they tell us, for the wages of sin is death. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, as we used to say in Dukes of Hazards, you know, you in a heap of trouble, boy. Uh, you know, sinner. Separate from God. Thankfully, you got another part of that verse that says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so even though the word is bleak, that meant what we deserve is being separated from God, pushed away from God. That's what we've earned. That's the wages we've earned because of sin. There's a gift that is available to us. And then you come to Romans 10 and 9 and 10, but in verse 10 it talks about, you know, that if you believe in your heart, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you'll be justified. And if you confess with your mouth that He's Lord, you'll be saved. You know, that was just... That was just one of the presentations. You get that down, you give them the truth of God. and Then there were others. There was EE, and I know years ago this church went through evangelism explosion, it's called. D. James Kennedy, and then Baptist took it so that we could you know, put our stamp on it, changed it just a little bit, and called it Continuing Witness Training. And it, Great material, great stuff, and all of that that helps. And then, of course, there was the faith presentation. Oh, there's so many. And I think the latest one now is called Three Circles. And, and I'm not knocking any of this stuff, okay? I think it's all valuable. They are tools to help us to, you know, understand the good news of Jesus Christ and, and how to share it with people. But they are just tools. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ never had a canned presentation that he brought into his encounters with other people. Instead of a presentation... Jesus was all about a conversation. You see, Jesus listened. Jesus was kind. Jesus was in tune. As he listened to what was said, he responded respectfully to what was said. Jesus did not come and try to control the narrative. Now, you just listen to me. I'm going to tell you how it is. And he didn't hit them with gospel bullets. Bam, bam, bam. You know, to to bring them to that place where they were going to have to agree with him. That, that's, that's not the way he operated. He spoke courageously in the truth, but he never tried to belittle people. He, he never tried to berate them or humiliate them. But he spoke to them of their issues. And, and we, as we look at this encounter and we actually looked the past couple of weeks, 
in John 4 about his encounter with a woman at the well, Samaritan woman. Jesus spoke to her, and she came to this place where at first she thought, hey, we are talking about well, uh, water, you want to drink a water, so you have this thirst that needs to be quenched, to Jesus turning the conversation to the fact that she needed living water. She needed a water that just didn't quench her physical thirst, but that quenched that deep thirst of her soul. Man, she was, she was parched for more. And so she said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then by the end of that conversation, she was a different woman. But what's amazing is that one conversation she had with Jesus had to become another conversation with other people. She couldn't just stay where she was at the well. She had to go and she had to, she had to talk to others. And, you know, as I thought about it, it sharing our faith it is, it is a conversation with somebody else. And even when there's an evangelist, say an evangelist is talking to ten people and they all get saved. Well, ten people come to Christ one at a time. It's not that ten people all at the same moment, you know, just hear this and bam. No, there is a conversation that occurs in each of the ten. Here's within their heart what needs to be heard as God speaks and they are able to respond. And I want you to notice in our text here <laughs> that I read that she left her water jar in verse 28. Now, wait a minute, she's at the well. You need a water jar when you're drawing water. So she takes off and she leaves the water jar. Why? Well, I, I can think of two reasons off the top of my head. First, she knew she'd be coming back. Why? Because there was somebody else at the well, the one who contained the living water, Jesus Christ, and she wanted the people to meet Him. Secondly, it was the fact that that living water Jesus possessed, she knew they needed that as well. The living water. You know, it is so easy to meet somebody and say, that person is a lost cause. Or we're so quick to make these judgments when we don't know the person. I think we're all guilty of that. I know I am too. And yet you don't know what God may do in a person's life. Secondly, as we move on from here, the effect that the person has in planting a seed, in that conversation, she said to them, verse 28, Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And I love it as it goes on. It says, they went out of the city and came to him. They came to Jesus what happened? They looked at this woman. They said, this is not the same old gal. Something has happened in her life. She has been changed. And I want to know why. You see, there, there was a curiosity within the people that she talked to. Why? Because they knew who she was, and now they see someone else. Why? Why? 
they too had a thirst. They too had a hunger. And they wanted to come back. And, and they wanted to see why. Why that change? Hudson Taylor, a missionary that years ago who did a great work, he said that Christians often want to identify with biblical characters. You know, it's like we may say, well, I want to be like Paul. You know, we Baptists who say, well, Paul, he's like our spiritual hero. You know, Paul, man, he'd get out there and he'd lay it out there, man. People come to Christ. I want to be like Paul. Or we say, I want to be like Daniel. Now, I remember, I, I think it was, uh, well, now I can't remember which one it was. I'll get the name wrong, probably. But the fellow said the reason that the lions did not eat Daniel was he was 95% uh, backbone and 5% grit. And so he, he left them alone. Or Joseph. Man, what a story with Joseph. Trial after trial after trial. But there was a reason for all of that. God had to get Joseph to the place he needed to be. And in order to get there, he had to go through a rough road. Hudson Taylor, though, said, If I could pick a biblical character, I would pick the Samaritan woman at the well. And here's what he said. I thought this was good. I would rather be a successor of the Samaritan woman who, while the disciples went away for food, she forgot her water jar in zeal for souls. She had a heart for her friends. Well, they weren't really her friends. For the other people <laughs> that would become her friends as they saw her change life. It's funny, it kind of reminded me of Jonah. You know, sometimes we think, well, it's all about how trained we are. Are you kidding me? I think of Jonah. God called Jonah, and the first thing he did was got on a boat going the opposite direction. God, I do not want to go there, and I do not want to speak to those people. You got the wrong guy. And God had to take some pretty extreme measures, you know. He ended up being regurgitated by a big fish, which many of us think of as a whale. And then he ends up on the beach, and he goes with that message. <laughs> and God changed all these hearts. God can work through people that don't have it all together. I think Jonah was there. Or Paul, he was the guy, he, you know, he, he was like a, he was like Hitler to those early Christians, man. They were terrified of him. And yet God did this incredible work in his life where he would become uh, the guy who wrote so much of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God leading him. Powerful stuff. But they're just, he's just a person. All these people are just people, and we're people. We have the ability to have a conversation that can impact another person's life. We don't know. We don't know who we will meet. We don't always know what that conversation will entail. But we are called to be ready at that conversation, to listen with humility, and yes, to know our, the Word, the Bible. Yes, to know how to share and to have those tools. But we're not pressing some presentation. We want to have a conversation that shows people Jesus cares about them, that Jesus loves them and that he wants to have an ongoing relationship with them. Um, years ago, uh, there was a show, I'm sure there's still plenty of reruns out there, called Big Brother, in the reality TV. And in England, they had what they called Celebrity Big Brother, where they would have 
famous people in England come together and spend a month together in this house, and they would film segments of that time together in the house. One of the guys that they wanted to be on uh, that season of Big Brother, the Celebrity Big Brother, was a guy named Steve Baldwin, who had given his heart to Jesus Christ and had been changed. One of the things they did in that Celebrity Big Brothers, they said you can bring something with you that is precious to you and reminds you of your family. And so Steve said, well, I want to bring my Bible. And they're like, no, you can't bring your Bible to Celebrity Big Brother. He said, well, if you won't let me bring my Bible, I don't want to be on the show. So they kind of argued back and forth. and Finally, they said, okay, here's the deal. You can bring your Bible, but you can only read it one hour a day. And so he got, he got, okay, that's okay. So he came on the show. He started reading his Bible that one hour a day. And some of the other people were watching him. And then finally, one guy who was a professional wrestler, he started mocking him. You know, little righteous boy reading his Bible, you know, and all that stuff. And, and it was going back and forth. And they began to have discussions. And this guy had questions. And, and so they started filming all this stuff on the season of Celebrity Big Brother. And it went from some clips of Steve reading his Bible by himself at a table to a small Bible study forming and other people sitting with him as he read his Bible and they talked about the Bible until by the end of the season, would you believe, a segment on national TV in England of this man leading this wrestler to faith in Jesus Christ. And it all started just because he was sitting down in a house reading his Bible. And other people came by and there were conversations and change occurred. This woman was an unlikely evangelist. Her past, she was broken. My guess is she did not feel loved. I mean, all, all these people in her past, these ex-husbands, and, 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 and this feeling of, will anyone ever love me for who I am? And then she met Christ. And things changed. Now, let me move on here, uh, this next hit. The farmhands were busy. <laughs> uh, verse 8, if you jump up some verses of chapter 4, it says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, these are the guys that were the closest followers of Jesus. They should be the spiritual guys. They should have it completely together, right? So what are they doing? They're thinking, what can we eat, guys? Let's go into town and let's find some good-tasting food. And so they weren't part of this revival at all, of this movement of God. They were feeding their bellies. They were all about food and social hang-ups and when they returned, look at verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Oh my goodness, how could that be? But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Man, they missed it. We miss it too, don't we? We come to church and, and we sit here, but sometimes we just miss it. We miss him. When we leave here, we miss Him. Sometimes we come and we feel God move us while we're here, 
but then it's almost like we walk out the door and, and it's gone, right? Anyway, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Like, Rabbi, man, we've ate some really good food. You, you, you need to check this place out. You need to get this meal. This, this will change everything, okay? If you just have this food. <laughs> and his response, man, he responded. He said, I have food to eat you know nothing about. So they turned to each other and it's like, what? hey, somebody sneak in some food for the rabbi? We didn't know about? Where did where, where'd this come from? And he responded. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, they, they were missing. He wasn't talking about, you know, physical food that, that you eat. His food, he said, was, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do what God calls me to do. I want that satisfaction of knowing that I have this open relationship and conversation with the living God so that when I feel Him speak, I respond. And that's what Jesus had. And, and that is what Jesus displayed. He, he, there is nothing more satisfying in life than doing the will of God. What happens to us, I'm afraid, so often in church is um, we get so much spiritual food, but no exercise. We don't put it to use. It just becomes more and more knowledge and less and less action. Jesus, He explains, uh, as you read through the Scriptures, of this food this drive that he has. And in Luke 19.10, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He saw people that where they were. And he, he wanted to engage them. He wanted to have a conversation with them. And even when he went to the cross and he said, Father, it is finished. That work that he lived for. And there was suffering involved in that work. But he came to do that work. He completed that work. And guess what? If you were saved... Uh, you're not in heaven because I see you here. And it means if you're not in heaven, God must have some work for you to do. He must have some conversations for you to have. There must be some people He wants you to meet, others He wants you to invest in. We make it so hard. We try to be overly spiritual. Walk with God, seek God, know God, and love people. Listen to God. Listen to them. Be bold enough to tell them, man, I, I want you to know what changed my life. I want you to know what has made the difference in me. <laughs> D.L. Moody, the evangelist of another generation, he not only preached to large crowds at these evangelistic crusades, he also was often known for just going out and talking to people. One day he was in Chicago, and there was a guy that was leaned up against a lamppost, and he walked up to him, and he said, Sir, are you a Christian? And the guy got really angry. And he, he started yelling back at him. He said, it's none of your business what I believe. And Moody politely said, I'm sorry, pardon me, sir, but it is my business. It's what I do. <laughs> and so he continued sharing with him. I want you to see here in our text, as we prepare to finish up, verse 35, he talks, Jesus talks about a harvest coming to the disciples. He, he says, don't you have a, a 
saying it's still four months until harvest, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He goes on, he says, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. Ripe. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus, he gave several parables. The sower and the seed, the wheat and the tare. There were pictures in those parables of the field is the world. Um, the seed speaks of the children of God as they are at work. And it speaks of the word of God, which is to be sown in people's lives and how God works. He takes a person, he sows his seed into the heart of that person. That person is changed and then he has a heart to sow seed of truth to other people so that they will discover what they need. Verse 35. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. There are plenty of people out there that are broken. I don't think we have a shortage of that. What we have a shortage of is we just don't see them. I talk about this a lot, but I've never been cured of it. <laughs> I'm still guilty of that. I miss these people. Cindy and I, we go down to the Mendota Trail and near where we live, and we um, exercise down there. There was this guy that was down there for a while that was homeless. We'd go by there, an older man, and we'd see him and we'd come and wave at him and we'd kind of talk back. I never really understood what he was saying. Uh, you know, we went down there a couple times. He was there and I thought, man, we need to take him a pizza or something. And then one day we ran down there and he wasn't there anymore. I missed it. We worry about what we're not doing. Maybe we need to say, God, show me what I can do. That one step, that one conversation. You see, there's always somebody around us. There's always somebody there. And it's not that we have to immediately bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we do need to be ready to have a conversation. To see where they are. And to give them hope that's found in Christ. To point them toward the good news of who Jesus is and why he came. And that he wants to meet them. He wants them to meet him to make a difference in their lives. Uh, in Matthew, I mean, excuse me, in, in our text here in John 4, 36, 37, and 38, it mentions all kinds of workers. Um, it talks about those who sow the seed. It talks about the laborers, the workers. Uh, it, it, those may be those who water the plants and pull the weeds and do that kind of work. And then there are those who reap. So there are many different kinds of jobs. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God brings the growth. In verse 38, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I sent you to reap for what you have not worked for. Now turn over, as I get near the end of this thing, 
the next book of the Bible, Acts chapter 8. Of course, in the book of Acts, uh, we know that Acts opens up and uh, they're told, God's people are told to wait, the Holy Spirit will come upon them and they'll be God's witnesses. One of the places that are mentioned is Samaria, uh, this place that we've been talking about today, the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. In chapter 8, verse 1, we're told that a great persecution broke out and all except the apostles were scattered. They were forced to leave the comfort of Jerusalem, but it was God's plan of expanding the church. In verse 5, we're told that Philip went down to a city in Samaria. This place is Samaria, God's loving Samaria, the place that's broken, the place that's messed up. God loves them. Everybody had moved except the apostles. They're still back in Jerusalem. Now it's another round of evangelism in Samaria. And as we read through the text, it says, The crowds heard Philip, saw signs he performed. They paid close attention to what he said. And in 8 verse 14, it says, The apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent John and Peter to Samaria. They sent these apostles. Verse 25, it says, After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. God had a plan for Samaria. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. They needed to leave Jerusalem to go to Samaria. Where do we need to go? I guess that's my challenge to you. There's somebody God wants you to have a conversation with. I don't know. He does. Who is it, right? Uh, One guy counted. He said there are 132 individual encounters Jesus had in the four Gospels. Now, he, he went on and he said of those 132 encounters, six of those happened in the temple at Jerusalem. Four others happened in different synagogues. But 122 of those encounters happened outside of the temple and synagogue. They happened outside of the church. Where people needed to be reached, and they still do today. The farmhands were busy. The harvest needed to be gathered. And as we read through the text, it tells us that many of the Samaritans, verse 39, many from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And I love this as it closes. He says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. You see, they were curious when they saw her life, how it had changed. And as they listened to her describe why it has changed, and and that curiosity, whereas it did incite within them a longing, a desire, a thirst, a hunger for more, it wasn't until they went back to the well and they met Jesus personally that everything changed for them. So it's not about, I want people to know me. It's about, I want them to... Gain a thirst to understand that my change does not come because I changed. It came because God changed me through Jesus Christ. It it makes the difference. 
So who is that person? As I get ready to close. Charles Spurgeon said to his church, if you just roll up your sleeves for the work, go tell the gospel to dying men, you would find your spiritual health mightily restored, for very much of the sickness of Christians comes through their having nothing to do. How many of us have spiritual indigestion? Because we eat so much, but we don't exercise for the Lord. We just take it in without giving it out. And so we're in a bad place spiritually. So, covenant together. One seed. Where does God want you to plant it this week? One conversation to let people know. Somebody to ask, um, tell me about your spiritual life. What do you think about God? Who is Jesus to you? Let God begin to work. But we have to be intentional uh, within that. Um, take that time. I'll share one thing here and then, then I'm done. Uh, years ago, Cindy and I were uh, in the church and our neighbors started coming to church. And our kids were small at that time. And uh, we got to be close with those neighbors as she came and she had two daughters that she brought to church. And... Uh, but her husband was just not interested at all in the church. He was not interested in spiritual things at all. And um, we ended up, when it came time for us to leave that church and move, I, I had to take this guy home. There's something wrong with his vehicle. And I thought, Lord, I'm just going to talk to him and just be you know, just straight with him. So, I said to him, I said, Glenn, uh, man, I have been praying for you. I love your family. And, you know, I'd like to get to know you. I said, we're leaving. I said, I just want to tell you, I really believe that you are going to give your heart to Christ and that everything is going to change in your life one day. And you will have a joy that you don't have and what I'm talking about now may sound really strange to you, but one day it won't. So we moved. A couple of years later, I got word. They had, they had gone to a different church, and um, man, Glenn got saved. And he was involved in that church. And I was thinking, look what I did. I had a spiritual conversation, and it made all the difference. You know, man, I thought, all right, Todd, you did it. And so I, I contacted this guy. You know, I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years. I'm like, hey, remember that conversation we had? And, you know, I, you know, I told you what was going to happen. He goes, no. <laughs> he didn't remember the spiritual conversation that I had that changed his life. What's the point? The point is, it is not any of us that changes somebody's life. Our job is to plant the seed. Our job is to have the conversation. Our job is to be there for other people. I don't know how much God may use us, but He will use us. We are part of that work. We need to be involved. And when we're not involved, we do miss the blessing. And we don't want to miss the blessing. Let's pray. God, I thank You for spiritual farming, for the job of 
letting you work through us, um, not to just nail down a presentation, but to be involved in a conversation like Jesus did with that woman at the well, like we are called to do with people you want us to talk to, Lord. Speak to us so we will know what to say to them. (laughs) May we be in your word, may we pray, may we be with other believers and grow and and be available for you. God, who do you want us to see this week? Lay it upon our hearts and may we be faithful. And Father, uh, maybe someone here has never, never responded to your love. Never really followed in a conversation that they've heard in finding the one who speaks and who gives life. And now's a great time to receive that life if the answer is, no, I don't have it. <laughs> so, Lord, I just pray for anyone listening here or listening online. Today is a good day to get saved, a good day to know Christ, to say, I, I need my life changed and you forgive and you restore. And Lord Jesus, I believe in what you did for me upon the cross at Calvary. And I take that in faith and I want to be in you. So make me new. And he does that. So Lord, just work uh, for the rest of us. Father, what do you want of us? Um, work in us that we may bring you glory. Father, that that conversation you want us to have will occur and that we'll... <laughs> Lord, you'll put so much joy in us that, it, that it'll just become something we do all the time, Lord. I just pray for that in me and in my brothers and sisters. So, Father, work among us, and we just pray in this time called invitation that we just hear from you and just say yes to what you ask. In Christ's name we pray.